Our scripture this morning is from the Sermon on the Mount. And so listen for the word of God. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? Is it no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot? You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand and, gives, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or, or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from, from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray that you would help us to hear again these familiar words and not just hear them, but to allow them to seep into our souls that we would discover more of what you wish us to be and that we may live as you wish us to live. For we pray this in Christ's name, amen. I've always had a strange fascination with rock climbing, but never on the level of Tommy Caldwell and Kevin Jorgensen. Back in 2015, the mountain climbers, Tommy Caldwell and Kevin Jorgensen set out to be the first to attempt to free climb the straight vertical ascent of the Dawn Wall on El Capitan Mountain in Yosemite National Park. No one had ever been able with bare hands and without the benefit of pull ropes to make it all the way to the top. The ascent took 19 days, 19 days, which meant, as you can see, they had to hang tents on the sheer cliff of the mountain and sleep suspended in midair. How many of you are up for this for your next vacation? It meant a lot of failed pitches from one point of the cliff to another. It meant their bodies slamming into the granite wall, which meant bruises and abrasions and cuts and discouragement. But after seven years of planning and 19 days of climbing, they stepped foot onto the summit and accomplished what many described as the greatest ascent ever in the history of human ascending. 
To view this rock face, one can hardly comprehend that any human being could ever come close to, to doing this, to actually getting to the top of this mountain. But they did. And they did because they tried. And they did because they took the first step. You know, sometimes it's the first step that is the hardest step. I'm guessing that you and I have a few El Capitans in our lives. I'm guessing that over the course of our days, we have looked ahead to some difficult or impossible journey, some insurmountable summit, some massive endeavor. And we've wondered to ourselves not only whether it was possible, but whether it was even worth trying. Maybe for some, it's some sort of a physical challenge, maybe running a marathon or climbing Kilimanjaro or swimming a mile or hiking the Appalachian Trail. I would suppose that such feats are the dream of only a few. For the rest of us, I suspect that the difficult journeys have a lot to do with what is going on on our insides, the journeys of our mind and the journeys of our heart. I ran into a 70-year-old man once who wondered whether or not at that age he could still learn to speak French. You know, that's quite a climb for some. Some wonder about starting a business or maybe dream about writing a book. Some imagine trying to make a difference in the world, feeding the hungry or putting a dent in human trafficking or teaching the disadvantaged or challenging the spiral of poverty. All of those are quite large climbs. Some look into their personal worlds and see some El Capitans, relationships that need healing, hurts that need help, sins that need forgiving. And the climb seems very steep and nearly impossible and standing at the base, it makes you wonder if it's even worthwhile to take the first step. Whatever it might be, each of us harbors some sort of yearning to scale some sort of height. Now, when it comes to the El Capitans of our life, our resistance over taking that first step has often to do just as much with us as it does with the climb. Because I'm guessing there is a part of ourselves that's been convinced along the way that we cannot do all those things that we want to. That the further you get along in life, the more loud that voice in the back of your head gets that insists that maybe you're just not capable of taking on this climb. It's too steep. It's too difficult. It's too complicated. It's too expensive. It's too dangerous, whatever it might be. And because we can't imagine tackling all of it, we never even begin to attempt the start of it. What was that line from Eleanor Roosevelt? No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. You know, Charles Schultz, the creator of the comic strip Peanuts, when reflecting on the genesis of Charlie Brown, often referred back to his childhood and his sense that his parents never believed in him. And he gathered that his parents never believed in him because his, his parents never believed in themselves. Thinking about his mother, one Schultz said, she didn't even go to PTA meetings because she didn't feel that she was sophisticated enough to mingle with the other parents. Maybe because she only had made it to the third grade and she didn't feel that she had the right type of clothes. It would have been wonderful if somebody could explain to my mother 
that she didn't have to feel inadequate. You know, it's no surprise that the comic strip Peanuts carried on for 50 years the theme of inadequacy. Charlie Brown and all of his inadequacies. And it is no surprise that it was America's favorite comic strip. Maybe because each one of us has inadequacies in our lives. And maybe more than anywhere else in our lives, our sense of inadequacy reaches its highest level when it comes to our relationship with God. When it comes to this journey of the spirit, when it comes to living the life of being a disciple. You know, pews in every church, I would imagine, are filled with people who look at the spiritual journey and are wondering whether or not the climb is too steep. Thinking of all those things that God might desire of us, we consider that the mountain is too steep and it's not worth the first step. And nowhere might we feel this greater than in the three chapters of the Sermon on the Mount that we find in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. A 110-verse collection of Jesus' teachings. And to read these words of Jesus, we see the El Capitan of discipleship in our lives. Verse after verse, Jesus presents the height and the depth of the spiritual journey, the high bar of following Jesus. So high that once you read through the sermon, one of your first feelings is, this mountain is too high. Pick a few verses. Jesus says, if you say you fool to your brother or sister, you're liable to the fire of hell. If you look at a woman with lust, you have committed adultery. If someone hits you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. Love your enemy. Do not judge. Do not store up treasures on earth. Don't be worried about tomorrow. It makes El Capitan look like a walk in the park. And what we might want to say to ourselves is, why even start? What's the point? I can't be all of those things. I can't become that person that Jesus wants me to be. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect? Seriously? It's not going to happen. And maybe that's why when Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount, this El Capitan of the spiritual life, he begins with these introductory verses about the spiritual blessed life. We call them the Beatitudes. Twelve verses on the Sermon on the Mount where we discover about the blessed life. And what we discover about the blessed life is that it has very little to do with whether we get to the top and has everything to do with whether or not we have started. The blessed life is about the journey, the journey of becoming children of God. Blessed are you if you start the climb. Blessed are you when you start climbing, you start becoming. And if you start becoming, here are all the kinds of things that might happen in your life. You might find along the way that you lack in spirit. But blessed are you because we have a God who is full of grace. You might, as you begin the climb, that you, you might find yourself grieving and mourning, but blessed are you because you get your heart breaking for the world. You might hunger and thirst for righteousness, but blessed are you for the climb will get you hungry and thirsty for the right kind of things. 
you might have to be merciful because the climb of mercy will show you how much mercy you need yourself. You might bring peace to a frayed and tearing world, but blessed are you for the climb of peacemaking brings a little peace to yourself because it all comes through the climb. And it comes when we stop standing and staring and we begin to ascend the cliff. Costly grace is what Bonhoeffer called it, which is to say that if we would ever hope for this blessed life, it means saying yes to the climb that Jesus invites us to. Jesus invites us to the ascent with all the slips and the falls and the pitches and the hanging in midair the bumps and bruises and scratches. But all of that comes with the blessed life because it's not about the top, it's about the climb. Tommy Caldwell, one of those El Capitan climbers, put it this way. I came to the point a few years ago where I figured it was worth it whether we made it or not. I just loved the way it made me live. So I decided to push forward as long as it kept making me feel that way. Actually doing it was just the icing on the cake. It was worth it whether we made it or not. I just love the way it made me live. Thomas Merton, the great 20th century mystic who gave up his life to become a Trappist monk in his autobiography, while reflecting upon his decision to take the first steps away from the old life and into the new, shared a prayer. I was not sure where I was going, and I could not see what I would do. When I would get there, you, O oh God, saw further and clearer than I. You opened the seas before my ship, whose track led me across the waters to a place I never dreamed of, and where you were even there, preparing to be my rescue and my shelter and my home. How far have I to go to find you in whom I have already arrived? How far have I to go to, go to find you in whom I have already arrived? You know, and it begins with the setting out. What would that look like for you? to take that first step in the blessed life, to make your advance upon the great and holy mountain of God, to read these 110 verses of Jesus' great Sermon on the Mount every day for the next couple of weeks and pick one thing, maybe just one thing and say, this I will do. What would it mean for our church if together we took that step? to become salt and light so that we would begin to show creation Jesus' love, to begin the climb ascending and living, living into costly grace, putting hand to stone and pulling up, feeling the blessed life, feeling the dangerous thrill of taking a chance, rearranging our schedule, redoing a comfortable budget, expanding our minds, putting your, to work our slow beating hearts, hungry, thirsty, filling, giving, mercy. You know, there's no telling what can happen. If we look upward, if we take the first step, it's uncertain, yeah. But Jesus says, blessed are you when you do so. Blessed are those who take the first step.